Lord our God, thank you that you are here with us. Please would you come now and speak to us afresh. Help us to hear from you. And as we think about and as I talk about some big and sometimes difficult topics, please would you speak your truth and help us to hear and to hear from you and to hear it well. Amen. Okay, so as we start, I thought we'd play a quick game of word association. For those of you who are brave enough, my preference would be that you would shout out your response, um, but you don't have to. Um, So I'm going to say a word, and you just say the first thing that comes to your mind. Fish. Okay, sea, smelly. Mine was and chips. Um, Yeah. Food, that's my priority. Uh, football. Compy. Saints. You're in the wrong town. All right. Romance. Valentine. Mine was flowers. Um, this is my favourite. Toucan. Okay. Mine is. Toucan, play that game. I was going to sing, but I think I won't. Okay, last one. Jonah. Fish. Fish. Whale. For me, it was whale. Even though, actually, in the Bible, it doesn't say a whale. But for me, it was whale. I feel like I'm hoping lots of you thought whale or fish. And I, I did. Um, and I think that's really interesting um, that that's so many people's first thought because... Um, it's such a brief part of the book of Jonah. I don't know about for you, but for me, I guess it's the thing that sticks in my mind because it's pretty obscure. Jonah being swallowed by a fish, pretty obscure. Um, I used to play a game called Real or Not Real. You know, Jonah swallowed by a whale, real or not real. Um, I really liked what Deb said last week, actually, about it, which was, um, she said, I don't know whether it's real or not real. Um, But what I do know, what I believe, is that if God wanted it to happen, he could make it happen. And I liked that. Either way, I think Jonah and the whale, it's the first thing that comes to mind for many. And yet, the account is brief. In chapter 1, verse 17, it says, Now the Lord provided a huge fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the belly of the fish three days and three nights. In chapter 2, verse 1, it says, From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. And in chapter 2, verse 10, it says, And the Lord commanded the fish, and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. And that, that is it. That is all of the mention of the fish. Don't get me wrong, I think God providing a whale to swallow Jonah, or a fish, sorry, um, is amazing. It's a miracle, and it is amazing. But for me, it's not actually the most miraculous thing to happen in the book of Jonah. For me, I think we find that in today's reading in chapter 3. So Sarah is going to come and read to us Jonah chapter 3, verses 1 to 10. Um, There are some Bibles around if you want them, and you can follow along, or if you've got it on your phones or whatever. And we're just going to read chapter 3. Jonah 
Welcome, good evening, everyone, and Marie the Robert. Yeah. <laughs> there you go. Just, just that bit there. So, yeah, yeah. Okay. Jonah goes to Nineveh. Then the word of the Lord comes to Jonah on a second time. Go to this great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it, it the message I give you. Jonah obeyed and the word of the Lord and went and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Joanna began by going a day journey into the city, proclaiming 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believe God. (laughs) Sorry. The Ninevites believed God if a fast was proclaimed and all of them from the greatest to the least put on sackcloth. When Jonah, when warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robe, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh by the Decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herd or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink, but let the people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent with the compassion, turn from his fierce anger so that will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from the evil ways in reliance and did not bring on them in destruction in his threatened. Thank you very much, then. So in summary, the Lord speaks to Jonah again and sends him to Nineveh. Only this time he goes... Jonah enters the city and he cries out, in 40 days, Nineveh shall be overthrown. The people believe God, they fast and put on sackcloth, even the king. The king says to forsake their evil ways and God has mercy. So in Jonah chapter 3, we read of the miracle of the repentance of Nineveh. And I love that Dan um, shared his testimony and Sarah's testimony and that they talked about a miracle happening. And so here we look and we see another miracle. So this time, when the word of the Lord comes, Jonah goes and does what is asked of him. And as you might remember from previous weeks, um, we've, we've learned a bit about Nineveh. Um, it wasn't known biblically as a particularly good place. It didn't have a great reputation. It was very affluent. Um, it was one of the greatest cities in antiquity. Um, it flourished as a trade centre, and it was a really important religious centre for the worship of a goddess called Ishtar. It was known for its great wealth, power, and prestige. But it was also known to be especially cruel and violent. It was the capital city of Assyria, who were a long-time enemy of Israel. 
The Assyrians murdered and enslaved people on a regular basis. They oppressed the poor and they were an unjust people. And of course, this kind of really negative, destructive culture meant that they didn't only treat other nations badly, they treated each other badly. The cruelty and the violence were seen in the city of Nineveh itself. At its core, the culture of Nineveh was ungodly. So ungodly that in Jonah chapter 1 verse 2 we read that their evil has come up before my face. That's what God says, their evil has come up before my face. So it's this unjust, ungodly place full of evil that Jonah finally arrives in. So we might imagine, and I'm sure Jonah was imagining really, that he would get a pretty poor reaction. Rather an unwelcome response. Especially as Jonah comes declaring God's judgment and anger. But instead we read in verse 5 of chapter 3, and the people of Nineveh believed God. I wonder what Jonah's response was. Was it shock? Was it horror? Was he a little bit amused? I imagine it wasn't the response he had been anticipating. Given their reputation, it seems to me he was lucky a way to to come away with his life. In the book that this... um, sermon series is based on by Tim Keller he gives a bit of extra information about um, a series of events that have occurred in Nineveh itself in this time so there were some famine there were revolts there were lots of difficult things happening um, and they plagued Assyria around the same time so of course what he says is that this might have made the people of Nineveh slightly more like attuned to a prophet coming and declaring something. They might have been a bit on edge and if someone came and said something they might have been slightly more prone to listen. But obviously those events don't explain the incredible turnaround that goes from murdering, enslaving to suddenly suddenly believing and the Ninevites don't just say that they believe God they stop everything they're doing and they put on sackcloth and sackcloth was a Hebrew custom Um, it was wearing like a coarse material like a sack Um, I guess it's uncomfortable and unpleasant to do but what it indicated was humility before God So they believed and they did this mass act of humility before God and they called a fast. Even the king, when he heard, not only um, decreed that all of the people call out to God, but he himself joined, joined them in doing so. I don't know about you, but at a time where many in our society feel like It's one rule for politicians and another rule for us. I wonder what impact it might have on us if we saw our politicians, our prime minister, calling us to fast and put on sackcloth. 
the impact it must have had for the people of Nineveh to see their king in sackcloth, fasting and repenting, must have been overwhelming. He even declares, let every person forsake his evil way and the violence that he plans towards others. The king doesn't just say, we need to repent from past sins, but he also tells everyone they need to turn away from future sin. It's not just about saying sorry to God, it's about changing their culture and their attitudes. It's about being and becoming a different people. And we can assume, for now at least, that the longing to change and the repentance of the Ninevites was genuine. Because in verse 10 we read, When God examined their deeds, how they forsook their evil ways, he renounced the disaster he had said he would do to them, and he did not carry it out. God, who had every intention of overthrowing Nineveh, saw their response and he had mercy on them. He did not, at this point in time, destroy them. Talk about a miracle. A fish swallowing one person. Don't get me wrong, it's a miracle. But a whole city of evil turning around, forsaking it, so quickly on the message of one prophet from God. One of the cruelest, harshest nations repenting and crying out to God. How amazing. I wonder if our nation or our community's actions came up before God's face, as the Ninevites did. What message do you think God would give to a prophet to declare? I also wonder how that question makes you feel. (laughs) Uncertain? Nervous? Ashamed? I don't know about you, but I don't really like to think about judgment. I don't like the idea of God condemning people, of being angry, of treating them accordingly. And I'm pretty certain the reason I don't like it is because I'm afraid it's going to be me. That I am going to be judged and I'm not going to like the outcome and I'm pretty sure in fact I'm certain that's because I know me and I know the outcome I deserve I'm not really sure that I want to know the message that God would give a prophet to send to me but on the other hand I do want to live in a society that has justice. I want the police to do their job. I want people who have broken the law to be caught and treated appropriately. I want people to be treated equally, to be respected and cared for. 
I want there to be an end to racism, to poverty, to abuse. And I want God to care about these things too. And he does. Because he is a just God. But what that means is that he is outraged by injustice. And that means he needs to judge. And yet, although God is just and is angered by injustice, he is also the God of love. Injustice has no place in the kingdom of God, but God knows that we humans can't be just on our own. The lyrics of um, In Christ Alone came to mind when I was thinking about this. I'm just going to read one of the verses. It says, In Christ alone who took on flesh, fullness of God in helpless babe, this gift of love and righteousness, scorned by the ones he came to save. Till on that cross, as Jesus died, the wrath of God was satisfied. For every sin on him was laid. Here in the death of Christ, I live. God's judgment is fair. Only instead of giving us what we deserve, he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for our sins. The wrath of God at the injustice, at the evil in our world, were satisfied when Jesus died in our place. And instead, we are able to receive forgiveness and mercy, just as the Ninevites did. We're able to receive this gift of mercy and of grace if we come to God and repent if we change our ways and seek to live a godly life. Getting it wrong along the way, of course, but living in relationship with God. And that gift um, is on offer to everyone. But in order for people to be able to receive that gift, they need to know about it. God sent Jonah to preach to the Ninevites the imminent threat of divine judgment upon them. He went to them to tell them that God was really angry and that if they didn't do something about it, they were going to be destroyed. That's not a message that is easy to give. It's not a message I particularly would want to give. But the thing was they needed to know. They needed to know that it wasn't okay. They needed to know that something had to change. And that if they didn't, it would end in destruction. And we too need to know, and the people in our communities, in our nation, in our world, they need to know that ultimately there will be judgment by God. There are some things that are just not acceptable and God will judge them. But that God 
gives them the gift of Jesus to take their place if they want it. I am not suggesting that we go out and try and um, tell people like this, the end of the world is nigh, repent your sins, sandwich boards, judgment. I'm not saying we do it like that. We need to do it in a way that is sensitive and godly, in accordance with how the Holy Spirit is asking us to talk and reach out to people and teach people. But as God's people, we do need to do it. We do need to let people know about judgment and about the wrath of God. We need to let people know that some of their actions behaviours and attitudes are not good, not godly and not acceptable. But as we do that, we need to remember that it is not us who judges. Matthew 7, 1 to 2 says, do not judge or you too will be judged. For in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. The judgment is not ours. To tell people that there will be judgment, we have that responsibility, but the judgment itself is not ours. That is God's. And we'll see as we look at Jonah chapter 4 next week that that judgment wasn't Jonah's either. If Jonah had judged, he would not have judged the way God did. But God did send Jonah to preach his anger so that things could change. If we want to see social justice, if we want people, societies, nations to change, we have to be willing to challenge them. We have to be willing to be challenged. Safe in the knowledge that our just God is the God of love and mercy the God who sent his son to take away, to take the judgment, sorry, in our place, who has already paid the price that we who follow Jesus and belong to him should have paid. If we want to receive that mercy and if we want others to receive that mercy, we first have to know our need to repent. And in repenting, we can receive that from God.